Well, good morning, Church Unlimited. How are we doing today? Are we doing good? <clears throat> that's good. That's good. I am so excited to be with y'all this morning. Uh, really quickly, I just want to give a quick shout out to all of our campuses. I want to give a shout out to, to Rodfield, to, to Stone Oak. Shout out my campus, Stone Oak, uh, Rockport, Fulton, Padre Island, Church Online, and of course, God Behind Bars. And listen, whether you're new here or whether you're old here, we're just blessed that you're here. Thank you so much for, for joining us today. It's a special weekend. It's the 4th of July weekend, and it's also a special weekend because uh, uh, our lead pastor, Pastor Bill, my, my father, is not here today, and there's a, there's a pretty big reason. He's actually getting to preach uh, at another church, but it's not just any church to him. It's a big deal. He grew up watching this pastor preach. He molded his preaching after him, and he's getting to preach at Saddleback Church this weekend. So let's celebrate that because... It's a really big deal, and it's also cool because my, my father grew up watching him preach, and I got to watch up, I, I grew up watching my father preach, and I get to be here with you guys today, so it's just a special, special weekend. So yeah, really quickly, can we just say our mission statement uh, together as a church? And as you know, our, our mission statement here at Church Unlimited is to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period, period. I, I love our, our mission statement. And yeah, like I said, my name is Mason Cornelius. I, I run the uh, Young Adults Ministry out in our Stone Oak campus. Um, shout out to our Young Adults Ministries, CU College. I see some familiar faces in the crowd. Look, let me, let me just take a moment and, and say this. If you're 18 to 25 and you are not a part of some Christian community, I really highly encourage you to go check out CU College if you're near Corpus or come check us out at the Stone Oak campus if you're, if you're more near the San Antonio area because you have no idea how important community really is. I would also encourage you, uh, adults, if you're not in a life group, to really consider getting in a life group. It's a game changer. It really is. And I am I'm so, I'm excited to be with y'all. I'm, I'm, I'm filled up. I'm ready to go. And today I'm going to be giving y'all everything I got, okay? I'm excited. We're going to go somewhere. But, but before we go somewhere today, I, I want us to, to take a moment and pray and ask the Holy Spirit to soften our hearts and be more receptive to him. So would you bow your heads and pray with me? Father God, thank you for today. Uh, thank you for just the ability to gather, God. Not everybody in the world gets that. Thank you so much for, for your blessings, God, and, and not just the little ones for the big, Lord. I pray today that we, we begin to believe like we used to believe. We pray like we used to pray. We, we believe all these things in your name, all God's people said. Amen. Amen. And of course, God, bless these Oreos that I'm about to eat in nurses to my body. Amen. So I'm sure we have some Oreo fanatics in the crowd. Anybody like a, a big Oreo fan? I need, I need to know. Yeah, they're pretty addicting. Um, so, you know, there's two types of people in the world, all right? There's the people who eat their Oreos with milk, the classy people. And then there's the other guys. The people who eat them with no milk. Excuse me. Let me enjoy this moment. The people who eat Oreos with no milk, menace to society. Something's wrong. These are the same people who walk into Popeyes and they're like, yeah, let me get four biscuits, no water. It's like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> Your mouth is just in a constant state of feeling like the Sahara Desert, 24-7. Terrible. Anybody, anybody want an Oreo? I'm not going to eat the whole pack. Oreo? Oreo? Yeah? Oh, yeah. That's right. We have Oreos underneath all your chairs. No, I'm just kidding. No. Actually, this weekend, you can tithe in Oreos. Um, I'm obsessed with, no, I'm just kidding. My dad comes back, what did you do? Why is the offering room filled with Oreos? 
My bad. <laughs> so yeah, there's, I'm sure there's some big Oreo fans out there, but I've never met a bigger Oreo fanatic than uh, one of my professors that I had at Liberty University. He was my, my biblical worldview professor. And the cool thing about him was he actually, he went to Liberty. Uh, he played football there and he, he graduated and decided he wanted to come back and teach. And he's, you know, there's, there's two types of professors. There's professors that are just your professors. They just kind of throw the information out and hope you grasp it. And then there's the professors who have like that teacher's heart. He had like that teacher's heart. He really wanted us to, to really understand and grasp what he was teaching us. And so he also had this, he had this passion for teaching, but he also had a passion for Oreos. And every single day in class, he would bring up his love for Oreos or he would somehow incorporate some random fact about Oreos or he would be eating Oreos. And he told us one day, he was like, yeah, I actually have an Oreo shrine. I was like, Oreo shrine, what? What do you mean? He was like, yeah, every uh, box, different box of Oreos that I've eaten from, I keep it. So he's like, yeah, you name it, I have it. He's like, I have the original Oreos. He's like, I got the double stuffed Oreos. I got the chocolate covered Oreos. I got the white chocolate covered Oreos, the mint, the strawberry, the reverse Oreos. You name it, I have the box. He's like, I have Japanese Oreos. I was like, Japanese Oreos? He has every kind of Oreo you can think of. He has this shrine in his office and he would always bring it up. He'd always bring it up. Little did we know he was actually teaching us the most important lesson of the year just by bringing up this weird shrine of Oreos that he had. And so the, the last day of class finally rolls around. We're turning in our finals. And you know, the whole point of a final is this is the final. I'm done. I turn it in. I'm done. And he said, hey, once you turn in your final, I want you to do something for me. I want you to go back to your, to your seats. And we're just like, okay, whatever. He, he's been a great teacher. Why not? We'll, we'll hear him out, see what he has to say. Some people start getting like anxious and patient because some people stack their finals. They're like, yo, I got to go. I got another final after this. So finally, the last person turns in their final and we're all sitting there and, and he stands up and he goes on to spiel about how thankful he, he is to get the opportunity to teach at Liberty and how honored he was to be our professor. And then out of nowhere, he, he just asked this random question. He goes, how many of y'all know about my Oreo shrine? The whole class raises their hand. Not one hand goes unraised. And it's a big class. And he goes, interesting, but how do, you, how do you know I have an Oreo shrine? And then we slowly saw some hands start going down, and you could tell that the, the wheels are starting to turn. And then he said, have any of you actually seen my Oreo shrine? All of our hands went down. No one's actually seen it. And he said, wow, you were really going to take my word for it. You were really just going to take my word for it? And then he asked this powerful question. He said, why is it that we'll believe anything we haven't seen with our own eyes except for when it comes to God? Powerful question, powerful question. And he, and he said, look, when it comes to your biblical worldview, there's going to be a lot of people who expect you to take their word for it. A lot of parents expect you to take their word for it. Teachers expect you to take their word for it. But let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. You don't have to take your parents' word for it. You don't have to take your teacher's word for it, your professor's word for it. When it comes to God's goodness and his faithfulness and how real he really is, you don't have to take the news's word for it, anyone on social media's word for it. But you know whose word you can take for it? You can take God's word for it because he's that good. He's that true, and he's so, so real. You can take his word for it. But, but it's funny because he was, he was so good. He was so good at teaching. Just, he's just too good not to believe. He was just too good to not believe. And that's, that's actually the, the title of today's sermon. So if you're taking notes, the title of today's sermon is Too Good to Not Believe. And we're going to run through... Uh, we're going to pick up in the middle of, of Numbers, but we're going to go back in time. We're going to rewind this, this epic story, and we're picking up in this, 
This random conversation, but it's such a pivotal conversation where God's people, the Israelites, finally have an opportunity to step into what's been promised to them, step into the promised land. The original plan was always Canaan, was always the promised land. It was never the wilderness. It was always the promised land. If it wasn't, he wouldn't have mentioned it to begin with. So they finally have an opportunity to step into it, and this is where we're picking up. Numbers 13, 30 through 33 says, Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, The land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw Nephilim there. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. So we're picking up here in Numbers, and really contextually the story begins in Exodus. And I love the book of Exodus. It's, it's one of my favorite books in the Bible. It's like this, this epic movie, this book of Exodus. It's, it's amazing. It's powerful. And we're going to be picking up there. And, and just the name Exodus is already encouraging to me. Because I don't know if you knew this or not, but Exodus actually means exit. Because God is providing his, his people an exit out of Egypt and into what's supposed to be their, their promised land. And why is that encouraging to me? That's encouraging to me because that means our God is the God of the exit. And if our God is the God of the exit, then that means I'm never trapped. I may look trapped. I may feel trapped. People around me may try to tell me that I'm trapped. But if our God is the God of the exit, he will part seas if he has to part the Red Sea to get me where he needs to be. Because our God is the God of the exit. I never ever trapped. So, so this book of Exodus, and we're going to pick up in numbers, and we're, we're rewinding, right? We're rewinding to this moment. That it's so interesting because the people of, of Israel have been sitting in Egyptian captivity for 400 years. That's a long time. And, and look, they stay right there until they finally cry out to God and ask to come out. So we're picking up in Exodus 2.23. Before I read this verse, the first thing I want you to write down today, if you're taking notes, is this, and that's that God is working on your answer. God is working on your answer. So Exodus 2.23 says, The Israelites continued to groan under their burden of slavery. They cried out for help, and their cry rose up to God. So they're finally sick of it. They're like, God, we need a miracle. God, we need you. They finally start crying out to God. But here's what's so interesting. They cry out to God, but they're not hearing anything back. They, they cry out to God, but God doesn't talk back to them. He starts talking to a man named Moses. Now, I'm, inter I, I'm noticing an interesting pattern here, okay? You see, the people of Israel, they have a problem, and they start talking to God. But God doesn't talk back to them, now does he? He talks to Moses. So they have a problem. They talk to God. God talks to Moses. They have a problem. They talk to God. God starts talking to Moses. They have a problem. They talk to God. God starts talking to Moses. One more time. They have a problem. They talk to God. But God starts talking to Moses. Now hold up, wait a minute. That's a problem. Because I assume that when I talk to God, God's supposed to talk back to me. But little do they know that God is trying to get the answer to accept his assignment. He starts talking to a man named Moses. What does this mean? What this means is just because God's not talking to me about my problem doesn't mean he's not working on the answer. 
Just because God's not talking to you about your problem doesn't mean God's not working on the answer. God is working on your answer. God's working on your answer. So God, he, he decides to call out to Moses. This is the answer. Moses is, is the answer to the people of Israel's prayers. And so, you know, we, we're, many of us are familiar with the story. God's like, okay, I'm going to call out to Moses, and I got to be dramatic. I, I got to put him, you know, I got to have the burning bush. I got to put him in the first ever Travis Scott music video. Pfft, it's lit! It's, first ever Travis Scott music video. Burning bush. That'll get your attention. All right, all right. So Moses is, Moses is there, and God's calling out to Moses. And it's funny because Moses doesn't respond with a yes. Moses responds with his inadequacy. Inadequacy is just, just a big word for I can't do this. This isn't my makeup. Look, look, God, you, you're a good God, but I think you got the wrong guy. He responds with, in, with his inadequacy, not realizing that his inadequacy was actually God's insurance. Because, because Moses is saying, God, I can't do this. And God is saying, exactly. Moses is saying, God, I'm going to need a whole lot of you if I'm going to be able to do this. And God is saying, exactly. God's saying down to Moses, he's saying, look, Moses, because I know that you know you can't do this without me. And you know that I know that you can't do this without me. I know you will always depend on me. You will consistently listen to me and you will never stray away from me because our inadequacy is God's insurance. So finally, Moses is like, okay, 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 God, I'll, I'll do it. I'll accept the assignment. I will, I will go and tell Pharaoh to let your people go. But, but there's a problem. In Egypt, they believe in multiple gods. They believe in multiple gods, polytheism. They believe in so many different gods. He's like, okay, so this is a problem. I can't just go up and say, Pharaoh, God said to let his people go. He was like, what, what god? What, what do you mean? What god? There's so many gods. So he's like, God, I need a name. God's like, okay. You need, you need a name? Are you ready for it? Moses is like, yeah, yeah, one second. Pulls out his phone, opens up the notes app. Okay, okay, I'm ready for the name. God says, okay, you ready? Here's the name. I am. Moses, he's got his notes out, open. I, space, am. God says, that I am. And Moses says, well, I'm waiting on some, uh, I, I am what? I need some additional information. I, I am what? Not realizing that God was giving him an I am in a blank. The second thing I want you to write down is this. God is going to fill in your blank. God's going to fill in the blank. God's looking at Moses and he's telling him, right now, Moses, you have no idea everything you're going to need me to be for you. So in this moment, because I don't have a name that can accurately articulate everything you're going to need me to be for you, I'm going to give you an I am and a blank. And whenever you address something or come across something that's too big for you to handle, I will step in and I will fill in the blank. And I want to know if there's anybody in here today who's excited to know that our God is a God that will fill in the blank. You may think, I need a counselor. God's your counselor. I need a protector. God's your protector. I need a healer. God's your healer. I just need a, a source of confidence. God is your source of confidence. He's here to fill in the blank. Our God is going to fill in the blank. Our God's going to fill in the blank. So the, ne the next point I want you to write down is this. It's, it's the third one. Not all miracles are immediate. Not all miracles are immediate. You know, it, it's funny because uh, I've, I've grown up in church. I heard this story so many times. I've seen the movie, the DreamWorks movie, uh, The Prince of Egypt. Some of you are familiar with it. You're playing with the big boys now. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I thought I knew the story. 
I thought I knew the story. And, the, and through a series of events, Pharaoh finally decides to let his people go. But then he changes his mind because he's angry and he's bitter. He lost his firstborn. He's like, I'm not going to let them get the best of me. He decides to chase after them. And they already have a head start. So they're pinned with their backs against the wall. And they're saying, God, I need, we, we need a miracle. We need another one. We need another one, God. We're, our backs are pinned against the wall. God, you got to do something. You got to do something. And so Moses stretches out his staff. And, and this is what happens. We pick up in Exodus 14, 21. It says, then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea into dry land and the waters were divided. Hold on, wait a minute. I thought when Moses held out the staff, the sea parted immediately. Is that not what we thought? But that's not what the text says happened. The text says when he held out his hand over the sea, it caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night. Could it be, because God's trying to relay a very important lesson to us through this text, that not all miracles are immediate. Some miracles take time. Our God's more than just the God of, of the small, quick, the quick fix miracles. He's the God of the big ones. He's not just a God of microwave miracles. Some miracles take time. They're more, they're more intricate. And even when they are taking time, we got to stop and we got to pause for the cause and just thank God anyways and say, God, I don't know when it's coming. I don't know if it's going to be today, if it's going to be tomorrow. I don't know when this miracle's coming. I don't know when you're going to part the sea. But I'm thankful that I can at least feel the wind blowing. I want to know if there's anyone in here today that's excited that they can feel the wind blowing because that miracle is coming. The miracle's coming. Not all miracles are immediate. And here, here's the, the final closing point. I really want to park the car here today and, and us to hone in. The final point is this. Present challenges have a way of inflicting us with spiritual amnesia. So we've gone through this epic story. We've summarized and jumped through key parts of this epic movie of Exodus. We're out of Exodus. They've been delivered. And now it's time for them to enter the promised land. And we're picking up in numbers. That original text that I was reading, this is how we got here. Numbers 13, 31 through 33 says, But the men who had gone up with him said, We can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw Nephilim there. Nephilim was giants. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. Such a sobering scripture. And there's so much more power behind it once you realize these are the same people from Exodus that are here now. I'm noticing a common theme here, and I'm sure many of us have began to notice it too. These are the same people that saw all of that deliverance and all of those miracles, but they still forgot how to believe. It seems to me, yes, they were delivered out of Egypt, they got out of Egypt, 
but they never got the Egypt out of them. It seems they, they believed enough while they were getting out of Egypt, but they didn't believe enough while they were entering into something new. They believed in the old miracles, but they didn't believe in the new. Really? You just need one more miracle, and now God's not big enough for one more? He can't do it one more time? After all of that? This was it. This was their moment to step into the promised land. Everything they had promised to them, it was theirs. But they don't step into it. So I just have one question for us today, and I think a lot of us are already thinking it. How? How can you see all of that? Everything that's taken place, all the miracles, all the deliverance, how can you see all of that and still not believe? You know, I was so excited when I found out I was given an opportunity to share with you guys again. And I was, um, as I was preparing, I had all these ideas and got caught up on trying to be creative. And I was like, oh, oh here's a good one. I'll do one called, called uh, Pain and Gain. I'll talk about how it's, it's once you hit failure that you begin to grow. Or, oh, here, here's another good idea. I could do one called SOS, Save Our Ship. And the, the S could be a point, the O could be a point, and the last S would be a point. It'd be, it'd be great, it'd be super creative, and it'd be funny and entertaining. And I can talk about how uh, Jesus had to sh- save the disciples on their ship during, and, and calm the storm. I could talk about all those things. I, I just felt God stop me in my tracks and say, no, 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 no. I want you to share the hard one. So here I am today, sharing the hard one. See, I'd be lying to you if I told you this last year was easy. This last year was not easy. This last year was hard. Hardest of my life. I I found myself looking looking to the left, asking God, where are you? Looking to the right, asking God, where are you? Just looking like, God, where are you? Are you even big enough, God? I don't know if I'll, God, will I ever recover? Will I, ever, will I ever be the same after this? Will I ever heal? Is something going to be wrong with me? And it, it, where are you, God? I don't know where you are. God, I'm, I'm talking to, to, to pastors. I'm talking to, to counselors. And I just, I don't know where you are. I need a miracle. And I don't know if you're big enough to do it. I just felt God stop me and say, Mason, have you forgotten how to believe? And I, I finally had that, that breaking point where you, you finally... You take off that mask that you get so caught up wearing in front of other people that we have the audacity to try to wear it in front of God. I finally took that mask off and I, I began to pray the hard prayers, the, the prayers that hurt, the prayers that lead to tears, but the prayers that also lead to healing. I said, God, I, I need a miracle and I don't know where you are. I don't know if it's, if it's going to happen. I, I don't know what's going on. And I just felt God convict me and tell me, Mason, it seems like you believe in in me, but, but you don't believe in me fully. You believe in the title of a God, but you don't believe in everything that comes with a God. You've put me in this box where you, deci- you decide what's, what's an appropriate miracle and what's not. Seems like you've forgotten three key things that stand true in the Old Testament, the New, and today. And those three things are God's faithfulness, his wonder-working nature, and his resurrection power. And look, I don't, I don't, I don't know when it, when it happened. 
I don't know when this took place. I don't, I don't know when we lost our way. I don't, I don't know how it happened. I don't know when it got so out of pocket to just approach people and say, hey, how can I pray for you? I don't, I don't know when it got weird to, to talk about things like the Holy Spirit. I don't, I don't know when it got weird to, to ask God for the mir- big miracles and not just the small. I don't know when we put God in this box and, and we try to decide and dictate what's, what's appropriate for us. And I don't know when this happened. I don't know when we lost our way, but I know, I know one thing. His resurrection power is real and the God of the Bible is the God we serve today. I don't know when it happened, but I know this. I know this. Every, after everything I've seen, he's too good to not believe. After everything I've seen, he's too good to not believe. And I think somebody needs to be reminded today of everything they've seen. I've seen the hopeless find hope. I've seen the brokenhearted be mended. I've seen the lost be found. I've seen two boys who were running from God come back home. I've seen dear friends survive plane crashes. I've seen families that thought they'd never be able to have a child be blessed with the gift of life. I've seen people walk who shouldn't be able to walk. I've seen too much. We've seen too much to not believe. We've seen too much to not believe. Too much to not believe. After all the miracles we've seen. Right now we're about to enter a moment of of worship. And this worship is going to be a little different. It's not just some aerobic exercise before the sermon. This, this worship is the worship where we put our hope back in Jesus. I feel like somebody needs hope today. Hope in their mental health. Hope in their marriage. Hope in their kids. This is the moment we do that. The song's called Too Good to Not Believe. Because let me tell you something. He's too good to not believe and he's too big to not come through. He will come through. And there's nothing wrong with asking for the big miracle. We got to stop just asking for the small ones because let me tell you something. God wants a chance to show off. He wants a chance to do the big one. He doesn't want to just do the small ones. He wants to do the big ones too. So in this moment, as we sing this song, just remember everything he's already done and everything he's going to do because he's too good. He's far too good to not believe.
Just the mention of your name can raise the dead. So all the glory to the only one who can. Jesus is you. believe in him now because we've seen cancer disappear we've seen broken bodies healed don't you tell me he can't do it don't you tell me he can't do it because we've seen real life resurrection we've seen mental health restored don't you tell me he can't do it don't you tell me he can't do it Cause we've seen families reunited We've seen prodigals return Don't you tell me he can't do it Don't you tell me he can't do it We've seen troubled souls delivered We've seen addicts finally free Don't you tell me he can't do it Don't you tell me Salvation flow. 
He's too good to not believe. He's far too good to not believe. You know, something I love so much about our church is we'll never, ever close a service without presenting the gospel. We want everybody to have a chance to accept Christ. And so right now, you, you may be feeling goosebumps. I got news for you. Those aren't goosebumps. That's the Holy Spirit. That, that's how God talks to us is through the Holy Spirit. It's not just goosebumps. Listen, maybe, maybe you don't know Christ, but let me tell you something. This is your burning bush moment. God is calling out to you. This is your moment. He has so much he wants you to step into. He's calling out to you, and there's nothing too big that he can't do, including taking on all of our sin. So right now, if you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can pray this prayer after me, and I want to encourage all of us as a church family to pray it for those who may be too shy to say it out loud. So would you bow your heads and pray this prayer with me? Dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I admit I'm a sinner. I believe you died for me and rose again three days later, proving that you are God. I ask you to come into my heart, change me from within, wipe me clean and make me new. I now put you in first place. I now make you my Lord. I now make you my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. I want, to, I want to sustain this moment right now. And if you just accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, I'm going to ask you to be brave. I'm going to ask you to be bold. But I want you to stick up that hand. I want you to own it. I want you to own that salvation the way God owned all of our sin. Own it the way God all of our sin. Stick up that hand. Be bold. Be proud. You just made the best decision of your life. Keep them held high. No one's looking around right now. No one's looking around. Keep them held high. Just the campus pastors. No one looking around. Just made the best decision in your life. Let me tell you something. We have a whole lot of brothers, new brothers and sisters in Christ this weekend. It's an amazing thing. Father God, thank you so much for your goodness. Thank you so much for, for your faithfulness. Thank you so much for your wonder-working nature. And thank you so much for resurrection power. God, we believe. We believe, God. We believe for the big and not just the small, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen.